Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, Calvary, I am so excited to introduce to you our guest for Mother's Day. Lisa Seaton serves as the Senior Executive Pastor at City First Church in Rockford, Illinois. But long before she was Pastor Lisa, Lisa is a part of our family here at Calvary. I remember when I was the kids pastor and she served in our children's ministry. It has been so cool to watch the way that God has used Lisa's life. She's a tremendous communicator, a great leader, an awesome mom, and I am so glad she is here. Lisa, we are proud of you. And Pastor Lisa, I know you have a word for us today. So Calvary, would you stand to your feet and give a great big welcome to Pastor Lisa Seaton as she brings God's word to us today. Oh, you guys are so kind. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can actually go ahead and give God praise and don't sit down quite yet. Okay. I just want to take a second because um, thank you for the warm welcome and I'm so happy to be back with my Calvary family. But I know that today is Mother's Day, which is a special day for a lot of people. And Mother's Day can also be a day where there's a lot of heartache for a lot of people too. We know that there's moms that maybe are physical moms, there's moms that are spiritual moms, they're nurturing and they're taking care of kids like they're their own kids. There's foster moms, adoptive moms, there's dads who's playing the role of the mom and the dad. There's those who are longing for kids. There's people who Mother's Day reminds you of who's not sitting around your table after church at brunch or uh, maybe a complicated situation. And so I just want to pause and just acknowledge the complexity of today. We celebrate all the amazing moms, but I also just want to take a moment and just open us up in prayer as God knows every desire of every heart. He knows every situation, the good, the bad. And so let's just invite him in and then we're going to jump into our message today. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that you are with us. God, we thank you that you see each and every person. You know their story. You know the number of hairs on their heads. You love them, God, every detail about them. And so, Father, we just come before you. We thank you, God, for the prayers that are answered, and we have faith for the prayers that still are to be answered. God, I pray that you would comfort those maybe who are hurting. We thank you, God, that you say that you are near to the brokenhearted. And so, God, we just thank you for your closeness, for your comfort. And, God, I pray right now, just over the remainder of our time together this morning, God, we're not here just to do church. God, we are here to have an encounter with the living God. So, Father, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way so you can have your way. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. God, our hearts are open and expectant. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, thank you so much. You can go ahead and have a seat. So happy to be with my Calvary family. Like Pastor Chad said, I grew up here at Calvary and um, just so love what God's doing. And you know, when I saw Pastor Chad a few months ago when I was here for the women's event in February, I said, Pastor Chad, now I've been in ministry for almost two decades, which is crazy. And I'm a pastor and I get to teach at our church. And I said to him, but you were the first person that ever gave me a teaching opportunity. When I was in fifth grade, 
myself and Lindsay Conley, now Lindsay Schaefer, went to Pastor Chad, he was a kid's pastor, and we said, Pastor Chad, would you allow us to teach Sunday school to kindergartners? We wanna teach, we wanna be a part. And so he said, absolutely. And that was the first time I'd ever communicated God's word. And so I was reminding him of that. I was like, you're the first person to give me an opportunity. And he said, I wish I, I could say I saw something great in you, but we were just desperate. We were like, you wanna help? then come on and help. And then he encouraged me like only Pastor Chad can, but it's just fun to look back and see so many familiar faces here today and get to be together on this Mother's Day. And if we've never met before, I do want to take a moment, introduce my family to you because I am a mom. It's kind of what we do. So this is our family photo. I've got two boys, Nash and Ryder. That's my husband, Adam. We both serve as executive pastors at City First Church. And we thought we have a six and seven year old, life is crazy, let's make it crazier and get a puppy. And so we did, pray for us, but he's cute. Um, that's Remy, our little mini golden doodle. But we are so, ha I'm so happy to be here um, together. And today, if you're taking notes, you can write down the title of our topic. If you're not taking notes, you can still write down the title. And what we're gonna talk about today is the courage equation, the courage equation. You know, right now in America, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it feels like we have a slight obsession with being comfortable. I was reading an article that said, America, the comfortable. It's almost like we are in a comfort crisis where everything is sort of filtered through, will I be comfortable or not? And that's how we make decisions. And speaking of comfort, I heard this story of a dad who was in a grocery store and he had his young son in the front of his grocery cart, and the son was not happy. He's just a little guy, he's screaming, he's crying, he's trying to knock things off the shelves. He's so upset, just sobbing, screaming. The dad's getting stares from all these people because the kid is kind of out of control. And you just hear the dad quietly saying, it's gonna be okay, Albert, you're gonna be okay, it's all right. We're gonna make this through this, just one step at a time. We're almost done, it's okay, you're gonna be fine, everything's okay. And a mom came over to the dad and she was like, I just have to commend you, your son is clearly having a hard time, but you are speaking so calmly and so with so much comfort to your son, Albert. And he said, oh no, ma'am, Albert's not my son, I'm Albert. It's gonna be okay, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it through, one step at a time. We're almost done. But let's be honest, I mean, we all like comfort. How many of you like comfort? You like comfort food, you like comfy clothes, you like comfortable shoes and preaching in sneakers because it's comfortable, right? You like all of the things of people who make you feel comfortable, like we love comfort. But how many of you know, as Christ followers, we're not called to just live a comfortable life. Great things never come from comfort zones. And as Christ followers, to live today in this day and age and follow Jesus is going to require us to do so with courage. It takes courage to be obedient to God. It takes courage to raise your kids in the ways of God. It takes courage to be generous in a world that says, take, take, take. It takes courage to have peace in the middle of life's difficulties and storms. It requires courage. And so today we're gonna talk about how to have more courage in our life. 
Because what happens if we stay in a place of comfort, we end up getting a little bit complacent, right? It's all about me. It's about how I feel. But when we say, I'm going to live a life that has courage, it propels us forward in our life and in our faith and our relationship with God. And we are not existing just to stay stuck in the same place with life on autopilot day after day. God has so much more for each and every one of us. He has so much more. He has amazing things in store for you. God's got great dreams for your life. But in order for us to move forward, it's going to require some courage for each and every one of us. And so we're going to be reading a story today from the Old Testament that talks about courage. And it's from the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And I want to encourage you, you can open up your Bible if you have one. Maybe you have a Bible that glows. You've got your version app or all of the uh, text will be on the screen. It's a kind of a lot of verses, but I think you guys are ready for it. How are you guys feeling this morning? Okay, the 815, you guys are a lot more rowdy than they are. All right, here we go. So number, excuse me, Numbers chapter 13 says, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak. Are there few or many? See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back some samples of the crops you see. So they went up and they explored the land. When they came to the Valley of Eshel, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and they're fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Malachites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other man who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So we want to spend a little bit of time this morning. and We're going to unpack this story. Because what we see here is that God gives a promise. He says, I want to give you the promised land. 
God gives them a promise. And do you know there are so many promises for us all throughout God's word. There are over 8,000 promises to us in the Bible, which is incredible. But how many of you know the times where you're holding on to a promise isn't usually when things are going great? You're usually hanging on to a promise when things are difficult, there's opposition, there's struggle, and you're going, I know I'm in the middle of it, but there's a promise that there's more for us. So God gives them a promise that I want to give you this land. But what we see here is that there was a process to get to the promise. There was a process for the Israelites to get to the promised land. There was a process. And the thing that we don't like, but it's true, is that a lot of times the process to get to the promise requires our participation. You see all throughout the Bible where God says, I'll do my part, but you also have to do your part. I'll do my part, but you have to do your part. And the thing about doing our part is normally our part in the process to get to the promise will be a little bit uncomfortable. That's where the courage comes in. Because if we're only going to stay in our comfort zone, then we're probably missing out on all that God has for us. So he says, I have a promise for you, but it's going to require everybody to participate in what God has for us. So the first element in the courage equation very first thing is perspective. It's perspective. See, Moses sends out 12 spies to do a scouting report of this land. Anybody like to be outside? You like hiking? You like adventure? Maybe you would have been one of the people selected for this mission. So there's 12 spies that are sent out. All 12 spies, they get their backpacks, they load in the snacks. We got to have trail mix. We got to have some cliff bars. They fill up their hydro flask or a Stanley cup if there were girl spies. I don't know. They lace up their Nikes. Like they're all ready to go out on the scouting report and see what's going on with this land that's been promised to them. So all 12 spies are going in the same direction. They all have the same mission. They all have the same vision. They all have the same circumstances, and yet all 12 spies don't experience the same thing. They come back with two different reports. Same situation, two different reports, which means there's two different perspectives. The 10 spies come back, and they say, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there are some good things, but it's quickly followed up with, but... There's good, but there are giants there, but their, their walls are fortified, but we're like grasshoppers to them, but they're going to devour us. And here's the thing about these 10 spies is that it's not like they're going and they're falsifying this report. They're not making it up. They're not just being negative. They're reporting what they actually saw. And sometimes in our lives, when we're looking around, we can see a lot of obstacles, a lot of facts that maybe are not in our favor. Maybe right now when you're looking around the context of your life, you're seeing some obstacles. You're seeing some variables that are difficult. Maybe it's something that's going on with your marriage right now. Maybe it's something that's happening with your finances or something, an issue that's happening at work or there's something that's going on with your kid and it's not good and it's troubling you. 
or there's something, a hurt or a habit or a hangup that keeps tripping you up and you're saying, I'm not being negative, but the reality is there's some difficulties here that I'm facing. The facts are not in my favor. And what we see is that according to what they could see, these 10 spies were discouraged. What they could see in the physical would discourage them. But how many of you know that as Christ followers, we don't just live according to what we can see, but we live according to what we can't see yet, right? It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. But what happened with the 10 spies is that they were only walking according to what they could see. And if we are going to try to live on this earth, but with a heavenly mindset, we cannot just live according to what we can see. We have to be people that say, I need a God perspective on this situation. I need a God perspective for my kid. I need a God perspective for my job. I need a God perspective about myself. There's things I don't see that I see about myself that I don't like, but God sees something else. So we have to be mindful to not just take things at face value, but instead have a faith value that, yes, there are obstacles. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there's difficulties. But our God is greater than the greatest opposition that we might be facing. Yes, there is sickness, but we serve a God who is a healer. Yes, there is need, but we serve a God who is the God of abundance. There's nothing that he cannot do. There's no one that he cannot heal, no one that he cannot save. But it requires us to say, I'm willing to gain a new perspective. I love that there's a verse in Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says that as we seek God, he will reveal to us the things that have been hidden to man, that he will reveal what is fenced in and hidden, that when we can't see how it's going to work out, when we can't see how things are going to, ends are going to meet it, or a kid is going to come out of that tough spot, or our marriage is going to work out, when we seek God, he gives us a perspective that we could never come up with on our own, but when we're with God, he will reveal his perspective to us. We get to have a God perspective. So the, two, the 12 spies, they all were experiencing the same thing, but they had different perspectives. So we might not always be able to choose the situation we find ourselves in, but we can choose how we respond to those situations. They had the same situation, but two different responses. So we have Caleb and Joshua on one hand, and they're seeing the layout of the land. They're seeing the scope of the land. But what happens for them is that they are full of faith. They're saying, yep, there's opposition, but we believe that we can trust God and we have faith in him that he's bigger than the obstacles that we're facing. However, the 10 spies, instead of having faith, were full of fear. They saw the obstacles and immediately they went to worst case scenario. Some of you know what I'm talking about. They just went to the worst case scenario. They're going to devour us. We're never going to make it out alive. They went into a place of fear. And we have to know that fear is not from God, right? But they went to that place of fear. But Caleb and Josh, when they're looking around, they said, you know what? This might be difficult, but God, I trust in you. Caleb and Joshua were full of trust, 
even in the middle of trying circumstances and situations, but the 10 spies were full of doubt. How could God ever give us this land with all of the obstacles and all of the variables and all the things that are against us? Then we see Caleb and Joshua willing to be obedient. They're saying, this is uncomfortable. It's gonna kick me out of my comfort zone. But God, if you're saying to do it, I'm gonna do it because our job is obedience and God's job is outcome. So they say, I'll be obedient. But the 10 spies were just full of complaining. They really, God wants us to do what? Does he see all the struggle? Does he see all the reasons why we can't? And they just started complaining and complaining and complaining. And lastly, Caleb and Joshua were full of courage when the 10 spies were just trying to convince. They were convincing themselves and convincing others of why God's way is not the only way or the best way. Do you know that as humans, we are so good at convincing ourselves of anything that we want to be convinced of, right? It's like this candy, but it's like, well, it's fat-free, but like, but we can convince ourselves, no, this is healthy, this is fine. Like we can convince ourselves of anything we want to convince ourselves of. And when we start to do that, we have to be aware that we're probably trying to do things our way instead of God's way. And what I've been thinking about lately is how easy it is for us to rationalize not doing what God asks us to do. We can rationalize. But if I do this, then what about this? And if I don't do that, then what if this happens? And if I, and whenever you see that word rationalize, I want to encourage you to begin to see it like this. Ration lies. Ration lies. So when you get to the place and you feel like God's going, yeah, I want you to give this up. I want you to forgive that person. I want you to start serving, whatever it might be. And you start to go, well, but if I just do this one more time, God, I know you said this is a season of singleness, but Tinder isn't really dating. Like when you start to begin to rationalize, I want you to think of it as ration lies. Don't convince yourself to do things your way. Trust God and his way, that his way is the best way. So the second part of the courage equation, we've talked about perspective, how we want God's perspective and start of our own perspective. The second thing we want to talk about today is faith. Faith. Faith is so important when you are facing something that is difficult. And you know, we talk about the faith journey. We'll sometimes say that as Christ followers, but the reason it's called that is because this journey of life truly requires a lot of faith, doesn't it? Requires a lot of faith. And sometimes it can feel easy to have faith, and sometimes it can feel very difficult to have faith. And we have to know faith is not a feeling. Faith is confidence in Jesus Christ that he's with us always and no matter what. And I just want to encourage somebody today, if you're in the place, and maybe you're saying, it's been hard for me to have faith lately. It's been hard for me to have faith about my marriage. It's been hard for me to have faith about the purpose that God has for me. It's been hard for me to have faith about the situation with my family, my kids, my finances, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you today to not lose your faith. There's a verse in Proverbs 13, 12, and it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we lose hope, when we defer it, we put it off. God can't do that. Not for me. Not now. 
we can't help this situation, it's too far gone, it makes our heart sick. And you're wondering, why do I feel like such a heaviness and I feel so, has hope been deferred? It might be time to get your hope back. When we lose hope, we lose perspective on who God is and what he can do. We start to get really internal. And the enemy wants you to think like you are the answer to all of your problems. And we have to know it's God. And when we keep our eyes fixed on him, we get his perspective. So how do we have faith? How do we have hope? Here's a practical way. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And this is more than like a nice Sunday school verse. This will transform your life. The Bible talks about we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. And when we start to speak scripture, not just read it like you're quietly reading to yourself, but when you're speaking it, you're hearing it and you're building faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. I want to encourage you to get into God's word again. If you're going through something difficult, you can Google so much easier now than it's ever been before. Verses on worry, verses on stress. Find those verses and begin to read them out loud. And as you do, I promise you're going to begin to see faith built back up in your life again. So many verses in God's word that are promises that encourage us. Like God is always with me. Isaiah or Joshua 1.9. God is faithful. Hebrews 13.8. God designed me on purpose and for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10. God loves me deeply and no matter what. Romans 8, 38, God gives me joy. Not people, not other things, not trying. God is the one who gives me joy. Psalm 16, 11, God will, it's a promise, God will strengthen me when I feel weak. Isaiah 41, 10, God will give me wisdom when I don't know what to do. James 1, 5, God can be trusted. Hebrews 10, 23, how many of you are thankful for the promises of God in our lives? And now we get to take advantage of those, believe it, speak it, and see how things begin to change for you. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. So our words can spread faith like Caleb and Joshua. Instead of our words, spreading negativity like the other 10 spies. You know, I was reading about negativity. It said that children today hear 432 negative things every single day. That's not like they're thinking that many negative things. That's what they're hearing every single day, opposed to only 32 positive things. So we want to be people who are going to help to spread good news, spread faith, spread God's perspective instead of adding it to the gravitational pull towards negativity. Do not be an overachiever in negativity, okay? We want to be people who are full of faith and speaking that. The third part of the courage equation is this, urgency. Urgency. I want you to catch some of Caleb's words here. What we saw in verse 30, when he knew what God had asked him to do, what does he say? Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Let's go at once. Once he knew what God wanted him to do, he said, let's go at once. 
And I want to ask you something this morning for you to consider and answer just to yourself. But what has God been asking you to do? Sometimes it can be so easy to hear all the negative things and the lies of the enemy. But just in this moment, is there something that God has been asking you to do? Maybe he's been asking you to get in a life group here or start serving. Maybe he's been asking you to forgive that person and it's going to require you to forgive them every day, every day, every day, and that's okay. Maybe God has been asking you to step out and to foster parent or to adopt, or maybe God has been asking you to give up that substance or to break off that toxic dating relationship or to, I don't know, give up social media. It could be anything, but what has God been asking you to do? Once you know what that is, I want to encourage you to respond to that not only with obedience, but with urgency. And here's why urgency is important is because I think Caleb and Joshua knew the longer that they wait and contemplate and convince themselves and rationalize why we shouldn't do this, why we shouldn't do what God's asking them to do, faith isn't growing in our waiting, fear is growing. I think that Caleb and Joshua knew if they were gonna wait to go and take the land like God had asked them to do, the giants were gonna look even bigger. The walls that were fortified cities are gonna seem even taller. The opposition's gonna seem even heavier. So he's saying, let's not put it off. Let's do it at once. Because if we don't do it at once, we're gonna talk ourselves out of it and things are gonna look even bigger and the fear is gonna seem even greater. So if there's something that God's asking you to do, I wanna encourage you to say, God, I wanna do it and I wanna do it at once. And here's what I know. When you do what God asks you to do, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's for your family. It's for those who are around you. It's not just for you. You know, I think about, mom, I didn't ask if I could share the story. I didn't share it first service, but you don't care. Give it up for Gigi. We call her Saint Gigi. She's so wonderful. But, you know, my parents are both first-generation Christians. So they grew up, both of them, in homes that their parents did not know Christ. They were not brought up in church. And they got married, and a few years after they got married, they gave their lives to Christ. And I just think about if they wouldn't have given their lives to Christ, I probably wouldn't be here today getting to speak to you. I remember when my mom said she had given her life to Christ, but they were still new to following Jesus. They didn't know what that looked like. They partied a lot. Hard to believe it, but my parents did. And they were doing drugs. They were drinking, all the things. And she was at a bar, and God said to her, this will be the last drink that you ever drink. And it's been how many years, mom? 30 years. Forty years. They're correcting each other at 30, 40, 40. But her decision to be obedient didn't just bless her life, it blessed my life. And it blessed my kids' life. And it broke addictions of alcoholism in our family in the name of Jesus. So when God's asking you to do something, it's not just for you. Yeah, He wants you to have freedom. But he wants your kids to have freedom and your grandkids and your friends and your neighbors and your community. So what is God asking you to do? I want to encourage you to do it and to do it at once. You'll never regret being obedient to do what God's asking you to do. And so that's why I think Caleb says, let's do it and do it at once. 
The last thing, the fourth thing of the courage equation is this. God is with us. God is with us. Sometimes in this life where we're over inundated with all of the things and the news and the stress and the schedules, we can just lose that perspective and we feel like, man, I'm in this all by myself. I have to. I have to quit this habit instead of going, no, the Holy Spirit will give you power. The Holy Spirit is in you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. You don't have to do things in your own strength, but the supernatural strength. Why? Because God is with you. You might be like, it's impossible for me to forgive that person, right? But you're not doing it in your own strength. God is with you. He's going before you. He can, he can soften hardened hearts. There's nothing that he can't do, but we have to remember God is with us. And if we really believe that God is with us, it changes how we live. Sometimes we can know, like, yeah, God is with us. But if we really believe it, it's going to change how we live. You're not going to be afraid to go to sleep at night because you're like, God is with me. You're not going to be afraid to invite your neighbor to church because God is with me. And that changes things. If we jump one, one passage ahead, one chapter ahead in our story, we are reading in Numbers 13, but in Numbers chapter 14, it says, this is Caleb talking. It says, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Do you know we keep saying that together? Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is with us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And we can have that when we know and we live the truth out that God is with us. And that reality changes things. You know, um, so I live in Rockford, Illinois. It's like a five-hour drive. And I've got a number of nephews and one niece that all live here in the Toledo area. And last summer, the older nephews, so around like 10, 8, Grayson Cooper was there. My sister and brother-in-law are up there, their oldest son. And they, the oldest boys asked me, Auntie Lala, that's what they call me because they couldn't say Lisa when they were little and it's just stuck. So they're like, Auntie Lala, we want to come to your house without our parents this summer. I was like, I would love that. Let's do it. So my mom drove the three big boys to Rockford, Illinois. It's a real destination tourist place. It's not really, there's not that much happening there. But one thing that we've got going on in Rockford is we have a water park and it happens to be like five minutes away from my house. So when the big boys came, I was like, you wanna go to the water park? They said yes. And so we get to this water park and um, there's this huge slide. There's actually two of them. I have a photo for you that we're gonna put up. Okay, it's right here. So you can tell this slide is uh, very tall. It's really tall. So the boys walk into the water park and they see the slide and they were like, Auntie Lala, we are gonna crush this slide today. I was like, that sounds amazing. They're like, we are gonna dominate this water slide. And I was like, you know, there's no like tubes or anything. It's just your body on this thin piece of plastic that's like 20 stories high. 
They're like, we don't care. We're going to do it. I was like, that's amazing. And so as the day is going by, they're picking every other water slide to go on, but they're not picking that water slide. So the park is like kind of getting ready to close. And I was like, you guys, if you want to do it, this is your time. And they're like, okay, we're going to do it. And you could tell they were scared, but they really wanted to do it. So I was like, I'm going to stay down here with Adam and we're going to film you coming on the slide. So I'm watching them, you know, and I'm watching them go up all those stairs. It's a lot of stairs and they get to the top and there's nobody else in line, but no one's coming down the water slide. So I see them up there. They're not walking down and they're not sliding down. So I wait like five minutes and then I was like, Adam, we gotta go check on the kids. So we make the hike all the way up to the top of the water slide. And the boys are up there and they are terrified, like tears in their eyes. And I was like, you guys, you do not have to go down this water slide. We can just walk right back down. And they're like, no, we want to go down the water slide. I was like, you really don't have to. Like, we want to do it. We really want to. It's just scary. I was like, I know it is. And then one of the boys looks at me and he goes, you know, Lala, if you go, then we'll go. And I was like, oh, you know, I walked all the way up here. I have my sandals, my sunglasses. Like, I can't go down the water slide with that. And the lifeguard decides to chime into the family conversation. And she's like, oh, no, yeah, you can go down with your shoes and your sunglasses. You can just hold them and you just slide right down. I was like, thank you very much. And so then being the mature adult that I am, I look at my husband, Adam, and I said, if you go then I'll go. And then the lifeguard again was like, I just want to let you know, I'm up here all day. And people say, if you go, I go, then the first person goes and then nobody else goes. So these kids are saying that you're going to go, they'll go, they probably won't go. I was like, all right, kids, are you going to go if I go down this water slide? I was scared to go on the water slide. And they're like, we promise that we will. I was like, okay, I'll do anything for my nephews. So I take my shoes and my sunglasses and I hold an Adam and I go down this slide. And then sure enough, a minute or two later, all the boys come down the slide. And that's their victory pose that they conquered, crushed, dominated. You can give it up for them. <laughs> that they conquered the water slide. And then a couple days later, I was just thinking about, you know, how much fun we had and the water slide and how I hope I never have to do it again. But I was thinking about how they were so terrified of this huge slide. And we got up there and the circumstances actually didn't change. The water slide didn't get shorter. It didn't get less scary. The only thing that changed about their circumstances is that Adam and I were with them. And when they saw that we were with them, it gave them courage, it gave them strength, it gave them hope, and they were willing to do what they were afraid to do. They had the courage to do what scared them because they knew, I'm not in this by myself. I've got people who love me. And just right now, with whatever you're walking through, I just want you to be encouraged today that God is with you. You might feel like the wind is against you, but God is for you. He's going before you. Right now, God is with you. As you're walking through that family situation, God is with you. As you're wanting to move forward and find freedom, God is with you. As you're wanting to take new ground and God is asking you to have courageous and bold faith, 
God is with you. He goes before you. You do not have to do it in your own strength. And I pray today that you are encouraged and you are reminded that even when the difficult things of life seem overwhelming and overbearing, God is with you. He is for you. He loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. And he cares about what you care about. You're not in it by yourself. And so in just a moment, not yet, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and I want to pray over you. But before you stand, I just want you to reflect and consider the things that we talked about today, the four elements to our courage equation. That maybe today you're saying, I need a God perspective on the situation. I've been looking at it with frustration. I've been looking at it one, I need a God perspective. Or maybe you're saying, I've lost hope and I've lost faith and I want to have faith again or hope again in the middle of whatever it is that you're walking through. You're saying, yep, today I'm here on Sunday, but on Monday, you're gonna find me quoting those Bible verses, hanging on to the promises of God. I'm gonna have a renewed mind and that's gonna begin to transform things. I'm gonna have hope again. I'm gonna have faith again. Or maybe it's an urgency. God's been asking you to do something and you have been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. God's been like that person that's not, and you just, you keep putting it off, doing the same thing, staying in your comfort zone. But God has so much more, but maybe you're feeling, I need to do what God's asked me to do and do it at once. Or maybe today you just need the sweet reminder that God is with you. His grace is upon you. His strength will sustain you. He will give you what you need exactly when you need it because he is a good God. So I want you to think about, are there one of these things that you're going, yep, I'm just going to respond to that today. And when you stand, have that thing in mind. So we're not just standing to stand, but it's a physical response to an inward spiritual response that we're gonna make today, okay? So in the count of three, I'm gonna ask everyone to stand, but make this personal, okay, between you and God. All right, so one, two, three, go ahead and stand. Sometimes it helps to change our posture when we're trying to change our position. That's what we're doing right now. So if you feel comfortable, would you extend your hands and I would love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person who's with us this morning. God, I thank you for the calling that's on their life. God, I thank you that you designed them on purpose and for a purpose. They are not on this earth to just exist to just float, to just get stuck in a comfort zone. But God, there is greatness inside of them. God, that you love them. And Father, I pray right now for the heart that just feels so discouraged. God, that you would just bring lift to them in the name of Jesus and there would be a new hope. God, I pray for the one that feels frustrated, that there would be breakthrough, that they would experience your wisdom and your perspective on that situation. God, I pray for those that maybe just feel stuck. Father, that you would just um, illuminate the next step forward. We don't have to know the whole path, but just the next step, would you make it known to them? God, I pray for the marriage that maybe feels like it's fallen apart. God, would you have your way? As we yield to you, God, would you restore? Would you make new? Father, for those that maybe just feel so insecure, I pray for a God confidence today. God, we thank you that you are working and that you are with us. You're going before us and we can trust you. I pray a blessing of each and every person here and in your name, amen. 
with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to take another moment. And we're talking about courage and following Jesus. But maybe you're here today. Somebody invited you or maybe you've been coming for a little bit. And you've never made Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life, but you would like to. This isn't joining a church. It's not about religion. It's relationship with Jesus. If you want to make that decision today and say, I want to follow Jesus, have heaven forever as my home, would you go ahead and slip up your hand? No one's looking around, just me. I'm seeing hands go up all over the room. You can go ahead and put your hand back down. Absolutely incredible. And would everybody repeat this prayer after me so no one's saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for me, forgives my sins, gives me a fresh start. Today I choose to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give everybody who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause? Best decision you will ever make. And in just a moment, Pastor Keith is gonna come back up. But right now, we're gonna take a second. We're just gonna worship just one more minute. And we're gonna just declare God's greatness over our present, over our future. You might be worshiping because things are good. You might be worshiping saying that my praise is gonna precede my breakthrough. But let's give God praise because He is worthy. Pastor Lisa, a hand today for that phenomenal word.